You are cordially invited to the manor in the woods, where an evening of discussion is being held by the O'Brien siblings. Catherine, the encyclopedia, Carolyn, the bookworm, Madeline, the wild card, and Mackenzie, the eclectic. Join them in the study where there will be talk of murder, robbery, deception, and conveniently cloaked figures. So get cozy, pour yourself a cuppa, and join us for mostly murder. But sometimes not. Welcome, listeners. We have a surprise bonus episode for you today. Because Netflix released a movie that they've put a lot of marketing power behind, and we're piggybacking on it. Um, Today's episode, we're talking about the movie Enola Holmes by, at least by Netflix. All right, so I'm Carrie. I'm going to be hosting today. Um, Along with me are the Sibs. I'm Katty. And I'm Mac. (laughs) Cool. All right, so quick summary of this. It's based on a book by Nancy Springer. Enola Holmes has been raised exclusively by her mother, who disappears on the morning of Enola's 16th birthday. Her brothers, Sherlock and Mycroft, descend, and Mycroft decides to send her to finishing school. She runs away to London, thwarting an attempted murder of a young Viscount on the way. In London, she finds a correspondent of her mother's who runs a tea shop and dojo for women. Her name is Edith. Edith tells Enola that her mother has work to do. Enola follows clues gathered from her memory and Edith's office and finds a warehouse used by her mother and her mother's cohort with votes for women flyers and also explosives. As she's leaving, she is attacked by the man who tried to kill Tewksbury, the Viscount, and after escaping him by blowing up the warehouse, she decides she has to find Tewksbury and help him because his life is in danger. She gathers evidence from Tewksbury's treehouse on his estate and finds him selling flowers in Covent Garden because he is a botanist-type person. They go back to the room she has let out, and she tells him of her conclusion that someone is trying to kill him and likely murdered his father. Unfortunately, at that point, Detective Lestrade, acting as Mycroft's on Mycroft's orders, apprehends Enola while she provides Tewksbury the opportunity to escape. Mycroft, being the absolute fuckwit-controlling misogynist that he is, holds the opinion that Enola has to be quote-unquote broken and sends her to an abusive finishing school. While there, Enola figures out that the murder attempts are to do with a subplot of the story thus far, a vote in the House of Lords to expand voting rights in England. Not to women, but just to the general masculine population. There is a deadlock in the House of Lords, and Tewksbury would be the deciding progressive vote. It is then that he arrives in disguise at the finishing school, and they break out of the the finishing school and head to Tewksbury's family home for the final confrontation. The man who tried to kill them before attacks them, and Enola fights him off, accidentally killing him. It is then that we learn that the person behind this assassin was Tewksbury's grandmother, who shoots Tewksbury in the chest with a shotgun. She was trying to preserve England as it was, an England of history. Luckily, he had put on a piece of armor from their collection under his clothes and survived. The grandma was arrested, off-screen. The reform bill was passed, and Sherlock and Mycroft decide that Enola will be Sherlock's ward instead of Mycroft's whenever they find her. 
Enola returns to her new rooms in a nicer part of London and finds her mother there. Her mother tells her that she had to leave to keep Enola safe and can't stay. They reconcile, and Enola appears to go on living her life in London, doing as she pleases. So that's basically the movie. Yep. Bam, bam. Just about. <laughs> so um, obviously none of us had seen this before because it is brand new. Um, had any of you seen anything about it before I suggested it for this podcast? Just like the trailers on Netflix. It's just about, yeah. Yeah. I I watched the trailer like in full. I didn't just catch it, but and I knew there were, like I knew about the book series, but they're definitely like more young adult based. So like by the time they came out, I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't read them. Yeah. No, they are definitely like the whole story itself kind of skews more like teenage young adult type stuff because it is a sixteen year old girl who's the primary detective. In character. Yeah. How'd you guys cool. like that? That it was a 16-year-old girl? That it was, I guess, seemed uh, geared more towards the young adult teenage audience. I thought it was fun. I there were only was... a few points where it was apparent to me, and I liked that. And I also felt very self-conscious when I found out that uh, not only has Millie Bobby Brown starred in this at presumably age 15 but also uh that she produced it as well yep gotta use that godzilla money baby (laughs) i mean you don't have to financially back it to be a producer isn't that literally what a producer does what does a producer do i mean a producer either sets up the financial backing and also makes decisions like well, she had a prior relationship with Lionsgate because of the Godzilla movie, but I don't think that she f- like financed any of the movie. Like, there are like certain decisions and and things that a producer has to manage. I think it's more. I mean, obviously, because a movie can have like twenty producers, and I think sometimes it's financed so like financial back backing, but it could also just be like shares. Like, she's the one who read the book. And she's the one who brought the idea to Lionsgate. And so yeah. maybe she had a share in it. Like, but that's what a producer is, as far as I'm aware, because they're the ones who ultimately make decisions on everything, like who to hire to direct, who to hire to for like, whatever, you know? Kind of, yeah. kind of as a, a meta aspect of the film, another producer, I presume, was Millie's mom, because there was another person whose last name was Brown. Pretty common last name, though. So, like, bringing it back to Maddie's question about definitely making it kind of for a younger-ish crowd, once I kind of got over that fact, okay, full disclosure, I had a little bit of PTSD coming into this, because the last time we saw the Holmes brothers with the little sister was absolutely horrible and ridiculous, and I hated it. Yep. Um, We're not even going to get into season four of Sherlock, the show. It just was bad, and it was all, like, boys trying to be clever and not staying true to the story. You know, I had completely forgotten that that happened (laughs) until I was reading articles for this, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was bad. Like, it's such a disappointment, and we'll talk about it in whatever we cover that, but the first two seasons of that show were amazing, and three was, like, the middle episode I really liked, but four 
like I completely put it out of my brain because it was so, which is upset. It's upsetting because that's the one I watched them film when I was li- lived in London and I was like so excited for it. But, but this. when I saw the trailer, I was like, again, we're going to do this and I don't want it. But then when I got over that, because I was like, I have to just go in blank slate. And I did have to get over the fact that she talks to the camera because you all know that that bothers me unless you're Mary Kate and or Ashley. So, yeah. My first note was Katie's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it felt a little like a modern modern like netflix movie but just like placed in the victorian times because i think yeah there were times where it wasn't quite period but i was like it's quirky so it doesn't matter I guess. you know it it's interesting that you say that and in my own thinking when i was looking at stuff yesterday about how this seemed like a typical netflix movie because it wasn't supposed to be distributed by netflix until like this past summer which I didn't know about. I thought it was always Netflix, especially with Me the quirky too. graphics and like literally in the first scene, she's like, I'm not like other girls. I like to ride a bicycle and talk to the camera and whatever. And I'm just like, oh, this well, is what my we're thing doing. was um, about the casting because Millie Bobby Brown is in Stranger Things. Henry Cavill is in The Witcher. Yeah, Helena Bonham yeah. Carter is in The Crown. Uh, Sam Claffin. I think that's how you say his name. Um, is in Peaky Blinders, and he was in that um, one wedding movie. Like, so they're kind of all in the stable of Netflix acting talent, but that didn't. This movie wasn't per, like made by Netflix. I totally thought it was because of all of the reasons you just gave. Yeah. I wonder is if it, Netflix is just so just ubiquitous now. Did it just because of, like, COVID? Or... Pretty sure. Hmm. Yes. I do know that for a fact. It was supposed to be released in theaters in the summer. And then they pushed it to September for Netflix. Yes. Um, Which... I mean, I... If we want to talk about casting a little bit, I loved Millie Bobby Brown. She was... Yes. So good. Like, yeah. the fighting and the, like, it didn't feel, I know Katie hates the breaking the fourth wall thing, but it and but it didn't feel that weird to me. Like, it's not my favorite thing. And you know what's interesting is that this was directed by um, somebody who did a couple episodes of Fleabag. Uh, oh. I know, right? Which, Which is when how they got Aunt Petunia. Harry it's Bradbeer. The last time... That I was acceptable, I accepted, like fourth wall breaking because Fleabag was just so genius. Good. Yeah, uh, I that's interesting. There was right. only one point when I found the fourth wall breaking intolerable, and that was when uh, they were trying to find a way to break out of the boarding school, and she straight up asked the camera, "Do you uh, have any ideas?" And I was like, "This is not Dora the Explorer. Figure it out, <laughs> your damn self." Yeah, that one I was I a little like, like, I didn't like that's that a one. step too far. I also didn't really like any of the fourth wall breaking. No? no. I am in Katie's camp. I'm not a fan of it at all in almost any circumstance. And that was my second I... note, is I'm not sure about this fourth wall thing. Are you... Have you seen Fleabag? No. <gasps> yes. <gasps> Maddie, okay. I... Please watch it. She it... knows she has to, I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
there's not there's only two seasons it's good i will but i i do think maddie it actually helped me kind of get over like because when it first happened literally i was like ugh, like i don't want this but i think it is a conceit of a lot of young adult type movies either fourth wall or just like talking narratively over things like exposition thank you that's the word i was looking for (laughs) narration um i didn't love it but i kind of like just got over it i was just like okay this is what it is it's not gonna stop happening so i couldn't get over it what do you what do you what did you think about the bananagrams maddie um that was fine you know that's whatever i feel like it was a kind of a cool way of breaking codes and kind of showing you how she did it and very true yeah i just was like this is i don't bananagrams did not exist i don't think in the 19th century they don't have like the cloth banana bags for all the tiles. Did Scrabble exist? Not in the form that we know it, I believe. I doubt it. I did kind of like that though because it allowed them to show you the ciphers and breaking and doing stuff on screen without it being that like ubiquitous pop-up text that was made popular in like the last 10 years. I think that that sort of game probably would have existed, you know, because it's an easy, you know, you put letters on tiles and you can... I'm sure word games existed. I'm looking it up right now, actually. Everything back then was boring, (laughs) so you just put a bunch of letters on tiles and you're like, oh my god, I can make words out of other words. (laughs) Scrabble officially was originally called Crisscross. And it was developed in 1931. Okay, but so it kind of came from period. crossword puzzles and anagrams and stuff. So I'm assuming crossword puzzles existed. Here. Newspapers did, obviously. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Newspapers. Like just random observation. Did anyone else think that the size of the newspapers was weird? Yes. Did they feel like <laughs> too small? Yeah, they did feel like pretty a, small, like a little, a little less wide and a little, kind of a little bit longer. Like they were weird. But I wondered if that was because that's probably the size they actually were in terms of printing presses and paper supply in eighteen, you know, eighty or whatever this is. Yeah. So they didn't give us an exact year, did they? Eighteen eighty-two, I think, is when she was born, or eighty-four or something. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely late Victorian. So it yeah. would have been. Like 1900. The Sherlock right? Holmes stories, I believe, I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure, like, they start in 1895-ish. And because this is presumably before Watson enters the picture, it's probably early 1890s. Yeah, I noticed there wasn't a Watson yet. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be oh my a God. younger Sherlock. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> well halfway wow. through i was like <laughs> that's pretty uh, bad maddie do you yeah. think it's because mycroft kind of served that role and just in the sense that he was the he second a person mustache. even though he had yeah literally and he had nothing in common with watson except the he had like a foil but... sherlock did in this it was interesting that there were, were comments made about sherlock like working by himself 
only acting alone, like when she pretends to be his assistant at the Tewksbury estate, like yeah. that was something Lestrade said. He's like, ha, he never works with anyone. And I going into this, I was wondering if there was going to be a, a Watson element. Then I was like, okay, no, yeah. I was too. All right. and then Man, I, was like, I can't believe after even that, I didn't catch it. I'm a little I feel like shocked. I can I say that my impressions of this movie and probably my experience in general has been um affected by my uh state of health today. Oh no. May have imbibed oh <laughs> some uh beverages last night and I had zero patience or tolerance for, <laughs> like, any bullshit. So, this is not a hangover movie. Maddie, shame on you. This is not a you. good hangover movie to watch. I'm like, ugh, <laughs> this romance is stupid. I hate the fourth wall. <laughs> I also did think the romance was stupid, and I'm glad it did not culminate in a kiss. Yeah. I was really annoyed because I was like, they just put him in because he's, like, a poor man's... Timothée Chalamet and I thought the same thing I was like if if this were five years ago they absolutely would have cast him yeah I was like they just wanted to put him it's for all the like young girls but then I was like you know what I was a young girl once I probably would have been well maybe not into him but like in general I would have understood I mean all those Disney Channel original movies Katie oh gosh do you know who I was thinking of the other day Uh, because I've been doing all my Disney watching Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I mean, always. But no, I I watched all the Toy Stories, and I knew that Eric Von Denton was the voice of Sid in Toy Story, um, who was the guy in Brink. Yeah. With the floppy hair. Yeah. But he also was the voice of Sid in Toy Story 3, except they don't put that it's Sid, but Eric Von Denton is the voice of the garbage man. Oh my gosh. And he has a skull shirt. And I was like, they literally are like, this is Sid, and he became a cool garbage guy who listens to music all the time <laughs> that's interesting i heard that so yeah i mean eric von denton could be uh he totally what is this guy's Tewksbury. name something Marquess. yeah it throws me off i don't understand england at all in terms of no like and ladies and baronesses and dukes and like the why is it pronounced v-count like v what is it v-count the v-count Marquez. Marquez, but it's, it's spelled because so they want a lot of different titles were created in France. Uh, they're they're found everywhere. Some things got anglicized and some things didn't. Katie has a thing about this that I've heard a few times. Hey, <laughs> it's just also like the way that things are pronounced totally different than the way they're spelled, and it's a way for the English aristocracy to, like separate who knows who's in the know and who's not which is why things would be pronounced is that why like worcestershire is pronounced like it is truly yes, yes. Wow. worcestershire Dur- uh, like derbyshire like all the shires basically and things like halls like it's so literally it's some bullshit classist nonsense like literally that's why you pronounce greenwich greenwich and not greenwich it's why like it's totally bullshit i read this book it's like an anthropologists look at the english people but like modern day but they were talking about that specific pronunciation because it was back in the day also an easy way even if people learned to read if they didn't know how to say the words right 
they were still of a lower class. Yeah. Which is total bullshit. It's I think all it's, an unspoken test. Yeah. I mean, the... Uh... Except it's literally spoken. So, <laughs> would you say it's classist of you guys to make fun of me for saying laples? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. We're literally of the same class. No, they that's just us making fun of you. Mm. Laples. Sometimes we <laughs> could really... just take the piss out of each other. I can't believe that that was happened. Uh, okay, I still let's think continue. It's classist of you. <laughs> We're the. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just well read, but not. Speaking well of lived. societal expectations in Victorian era England, we should probably talk about the suffragist undertones. I don't think they, they were undertones. undertones. The they suffragist were overtones. Over- overt. <laughs> yes. Sure. So it's Please, pretty Matt, clear Helena Bottom Carter was planning a bomb plot of some kind, right? Yes. That's pretty and not cool. Yeah. Exactly. It's weird moral grays because we know that the cause of suffragism was important, but also bombs are bad. I think, it, yeah, I mean, it's literally domestic terrorism. Yeah. They showed that it was supposedly supposed to be like, we're just going to blow up mailboxes and things. But like, that's, that's not okay. literally domestic terrorism. I do. I do think that they kind of showed. I like that they showed that because it was like, it's a way for Enola to learn that her mother is flawed and her mother has secrets. And maybe she doesn't know everything. And, like, it's, it's an time- important thing for young women to learn that your parents aren't perfect. <laughs> yeah, and that it it allowed her to break away a little bit more, you know, mentally. And, you know, do the, the whole, our future is ours and we all need to forge our own paths and, and Plus, all that isn't jazz. that when she decided to focus on finding him and mm-hmm. not finding her mom? Well, it was well, after that and then after the murder attempt. Yeah, I was going to say, it was after that guy tried to kill her. At the docks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Wait, no. Which, Didn't why was she... no one else around those docks, I have to say? There like, should have been people. It's the east end of London, and there should have been people everywhere. But whatever. Because just speaking of that scene, it was way too easy for her to break into the storage like the store of explosives she's yeah. like oh well here's just a window right here into the room like she probably yeah. could have looked into the window and seen a bunch of explosives sometimes there are limitations on film and they probably figured there were better uses of their time than a break-in scene <laughs> and also I, I, this is a warehouse in a poor part of town what kind of security measures are they going to put on there a lot actually. i'm fairly certain i'd love to holes. hear them katie would have known how to pick a lock. That's true. I just would have started maybe with, like, newspaper over the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Mac, I was just going to say, depending on the cargo, a lot of those warehouses did have a lot of security because, like, even things like tea were hella, hella expensive. And ships and dockyards and stuff were places where a lot of people was like, oh, it's just easy money. So there's a lot of clashing and fighting and... A lot of Adam Worth's jobs did end up robbing warehouses. Like, literally, a warehouse is a a warehouse full of goods that are worth money. And so if you can rob them, like, you know how I talked to that um, curator, or no, the manager at um, 
pathology museum. Sure. No, but go on. A lot of their specimens come from the East End and included a lot of like people from the dockyards, either because they were found dead or like quote unquote drowned or like, I don't know. It's just really. Wait, what specimens? Bodies. Pathology Museum. So like there are oh, specimens of yeah, organs yeah, yeah, yeah. and gotcha. skeletons and whatever. It's like really a testament to the life of people in East in the East End, both in like factories. There's a lot of people who died in factories of lung stuff and poison stuff. You know those matchstick girls? Yeah. Um, a lot of that stuff. And a lot of people from the docks. So people who drowned, people who had scurvy, people lots of STIs. Tons of syphilis everywhere. Are there a lot um, of like dicks? Seriously, they threw it from parade floats. Like truly everyone had syphilis and you just sometimes you cured yourself and sometimes your brain you lost your nose. <laughs> yeah. So just a syphilis world and we're all syphilis living party. in it. But that's why I thought there should have been more people at the docks. So that was really why I brought that up. Because I was like, yeah. How is this the syphilis going to get around? Fight. And this huge explosion and the only person who saw is at the very very end that guy sitting just going like what's going on over here i thought that was gonna be sherlock (laughs) same how did that assassin not die yeah by getting exploded no he didn't (laughs) or well i mean not not then no don't you remember at the end when his head went halfway onto a pine cone made of wood and then he still talked Ugh. that I was shocked at the sound his head made. I yeah. said a, a big yikes. <laughs> that is imagine Enola's week. She blew she finds out her mom is a domestic terrorist, blew up an explosives warehouse, was almost murdered twice, and actually killed somebody. Accidentally, of course, but still. Yeah, you gotta yeah kind of live with that after that it's pretty pretty dark yeah although he did try to kill oh. them multiple times i'm yes. sorry i forgot about the point when she was locked into a boarding school and emotionally and physically abused yeah when that lady smacked her in the face in the oh, beginning petunia? yes <laughs> i was like what <laughs> like this is not okay you don't get to do that which I know is not the like that historically a lot of bad things happen at finishing schools and boarding schools like they're not great, but I was not happy. I was not okay with that. Was that was pretty shocking. I will say, yeah, yeah. I didn't expect it. I Even thought she though, was like, going to be kind of good, right? Me and she was because she all. had a car. She was like a lady who had her own car and was independent. Yeah, yeah. But and she was she like, was... I'm going to, like, prepare my girls for the real world. Blah, blah, blah. Like... I knew your mother and blah, blah, blah. You know yeah. what? We should have known the moment she was, like, obsessed with Mycroft and, like, yeah. super into him. That was very strange. That was weird. That was definitely was weird. chemistry there, right? I thought that um, Mycroft maybe. wasn't very close to canon Mycroft. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Isn't Minecraft supposed to be smarter than Sherlock? Yes. And in the movie, they say something like... He doesn't have the same gifts that you and Sherlock have. Yeah. Yeah. And like, no, he has more. I think we can safely say that this is not very close to canon anything. No. Let alone the fact that they gave her... Henry Cavill? 
Yes, and the way that he's hot, hot, hot he is. He's much too large a man for this. He's too big for the Victorians. I don't think he's too good looking to be Sherlock. I don't necessarily agree with that, but Sherlock is canonically very lean. He is tall, he is striking, but he's lean and he's more wired in his muscles because he does like straight stick fighting or whatever and boxing and all that stuff. And, and like cocaine, right? Or heroin or both? Cocaine. A cocaine. solution. It was a tincture of cocaine. Can I talk about something I was very excited about that they did with Sherlock that I think was incredibly important? Yeah, sure. No. I bet it's going to lead into something else. They called out Sherlock because Sherlock is generally seen as ambivalent towards politics, towards science, towards anything that doesn't necessarily, like astronomical science, anything that doesn't necessarily have to do with his ability as a detective, it doesn't seem particularly interested in. If you asked him who the prime minister was, he probably wouldn't know. He didn't know that the earth went around the sun in the canon. And that's something that people have always kind of gone along with. And there's never really been an issue with it until this movie when people point out, like, your ambivalence to politics as a straight, white, upper-class man in Victorian England is a luxury. You have the right not to care about women's suffrage because it doesn't affect you. This I have was... the exact quote. Thank you. I was going to say, I, I took pictures of the quote because it was very striking. Can we all say it at the same time? No. <laughs> I didn't write it down. <laughs> well, it's he, It's Sherlock having a conversation with Edith, who is a black woman in London. I don't know if she owns the tea shop, but she definitely runs that dojo. She runs the jujitsu school. <laughs> jujitsu Which she's a, a, was very cool because that is real and that really happened. And there were really ladies in the suffragette movement that learned jujitsu and were like cool ass bodyguards. Yes. Hell yeah. There's a so great episode says, of it of Drunk History. Everyone should watch it. The end. Kat Dennings is in it. I think also Tatiana Maslany. Ma- 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 I can't remember her last name. Tatiana okay. Maslany? Thank you. So Carrie hit us with that quote. Politics doesn't interest you. Why? Because you have no interest in changing a world that suits you so well. Boom. 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 Which, Which- is prescient yes very prescient it echoes throughout time to us here i mean yeah because we can say hey don't blame me i'm not doing anything about all the shit that's going on to the point where someone could say yes we can blame you because you're not doing anything about all the shit that's going on mm-hmm. yeah i did agree with that mac i liked that that aspect a lot i think I kind of actually did like this portrayal of Sherlock Holmes, just like with the understanding that it's just like a different version. Like, we've seen Sherlock be played by a dog. We've seen Sherlock be played by a mouse. We've seen Sherlock be played by a little children and old people. And so like the character has been interpreted a lot of ways. And this is not the worst one. I liked, I liked that he was younger. I think that allowed for a little bit of leeway. Cause when I first saw him in the pageant drawing, but it was Henry Cavill, I was a little bit like, oh, I don't like this. Because his hair was too floofy. Mm-hmm. I will say I had a problem with his hair. It's oh my god, not no. Period, not period at all. 
His shirts didn't fit him correctly. I think he's literally too big for the cuts of Victorian patterns to work on his body. Yeah. Like, men did not build themselves up like this. There was not power lifting. If they were built in any way, it's because they were, like, in the army or whatever. Yeah. Or, no, he, like, at the he, warehouse and truly, battling syphilis physically can't put his arms down by his sides. His arms are too muscular <laughs> to go down by his sides. Like, like when that's... he went to sit down at the tree, I was like, Sherlock would probably never do this. And also, these clothes don't work. No, I, I mean, he I, looks good. I had to get over it. I just had to be like, you because know Because he always looks good, pretty on, much. On that scene, I love his weird paraphrasing of Sherlock's usual quote. Because his quote is usually, you know, twisting facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. But what he said to Enola regarding her mother was, look for what's there, not what you want to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Very wise. So, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't have cast him in this role, but I, initially I thought it was because it was a Netflix thing, but maybe maybe it's just like they wanted a big name for it. I don't I know. I mean, he's Henry Cavill. He was The Witcher. He was Superman. He's Napoleon Solo. A hot, hot, hottie. Yeah, yes. Like, straight fire. <laughs> Wasn't he also in Stardust? Never no. Mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> we all knew immediately. You know what, though? Let's talk more about the actors. Everyone in this movie was at least... I swear, almost every single person was in an episode of Midsummer Murders. Yep. But also, Marples and Poirots. Yes, everyone was in everything. Truly. That hallway was so familiar, and it's because it's from... Sense and Sensibility? Chimneys. It's a Marple. What hallway? Isn't it also in Sense and Sensibility? I don't know. It, It looks similar to one in Sense and Sensibility, but I don't know if it's the same one. The hallway at the very end where the fighting happens and the grandma and the guy oh. with the checkered floor. As yep. soon as I saw it, I was like, I know this hallway. It kind of reminded me of one of a Poirot, but then I looked it up and it was a different hallway that had a checkered floor. But it's definitely in the secret of chimneys. And also... What about... um? What was it's that? It's in a lot of stuff. Castle that we went to. um, Hampton Court? It does look there. like the gallery, the orangery gallery in Hampton Court Palace, but it's not okay. the same one. Okay. But it it looks similar with the, like, statues all along the long hallway. That was, like, a thing that people had, you know, like, in Versailles, the Hall of Mirrors or Sun King Hall or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was, like, a thing with architecture and, like... Henry Cavill played Humphrey in uh, 2007 Stardust. <gasps> Did he no. for real? What? He played Humphrey, the the competition. The blonde fox. Oh, M G. I forgot about that. What? Are you sure you looked it up? I did look it up. I knew it beforehand, but I needed to double check before I brought it up before the council. I that is so wild. The council because I was not trying to think of people grant you the who were in rank of sister. Right. Yeah. Well, remember when I sent you the picture of him in Midsummer Murders, and he had he was so young, and he had like hair drape hair but with his hair so it was like fluffy and i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he got beheaded or like something happened like he in midsummer he was, murders oh yeah That's he was dark. one of the people who died well midsummer murders it's not an episode until at least two or three people die which is a whole other thing because you're not very good police detectives if for 21 years multiple people die all the time but anyway i thought that sam Claflin? 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 I thought he did great, actually, because I hated 
Mycroft so much, and he really yeah brought that forward. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, and it's a role I don't think I've seen him do anything similar to. Like, I hardly recognized him. That's something I he usually said like of, him. In one of his interviews, he's like, I'm always, like, in, like, a romance or, like, playing a romantic lead or whatever. And, like, this, get, like, was a little bit... I liked doing something different. It was freer. I felt like I could have... I could do more with it or whatever. Like, have more fun. It was funny, but, like, in a way that made me mad. Yeah. When he was, like... Like, he's all, like, poo-pooing the... Uh, vote that was happening and it's he's literally the embodiment of the patriarchy it's ridiculous the ambitious yeah. patriarchy well yeah that the and then like he's like saying that uh enola's a wild child and she is unbroken and she needs to be you know like taught her place yes exactly like oh you know you're gonna need to be a wife one day and you know, like, you should just marry whoever and be a perfect little woman. Like, bleh. Um, I, I... Can I... Go. Yeah. Briefly go through. I kind of watched this with Alex, and she wrote her own notes. May I breeze oh. through those now that we're in the middle? Yeah. Sure. All right, so... Is she, she wrote, around? She is not. Oh. She wrote a lot. So I had to highlight just a few things. Uh, first of all, she really appreciated the cinematography. And uh, there were plenty of quotes that she wrote down that she really liked. But these are a few things that I highlighted out of her list. Uh, she liked the hazy natural lighting through the window. It was effective when it was expressing the house's vacancy when the mother was not there. Um, she disliked the fact that uh, Enola was described as unbroken. And thought that, you know, the concept of a woman needing an education to find a husband was shitty. Literally, quotes, unbroken, don't like. <laughs> hey, so did she. Uh, she disliked, uh, she liked the effective use of color to convey mood with outside scenes being bright and colorful. And a lot of the inside scenes, particularly after the mother was gone, being uh, dull. And uh, especially inside the boarding school that, uh, you know, freedom uh, could not be achieved within the confines of tradition and freedom is color. She essentially boiled it down to the moral of the story being fucking men. Yeah. Yeah. That was it was very interesting because it, it's not just that, you know, we have our singular leading lady surrounded by a bunch of dudes. We have our singular leading lady with the the mom as a secondary character, with Edith kind of, like, not protecting her or guiding her in London, but just, like, knowing that she's there. We have um, the grandmother, like, appearing to be a benevolent, you know, matriarch of the family, and then turns out I was super surprised that she was the villain in the yeah, end. Yeah, I wasn't. I almost thought not. it was the uncle. I was. Maddie? Called it. Maddie? Yeah, uh, okay, Maddie Macker was smarter than us. All right, I thought so. it was the uncle because he was Mr. Collins, and Mr. Collins is shit. <laughs> well, Maddie? I thought, it, like, in retrospect, it makes complete sense that, you know, like, of course women can be villains. They have the absolute capacity. And for the the villain of the piece to be a woman, especially a woman of a certain age, like, I thought was very fitting. I want to say, I did think something was up with her in their walk in the woods. Is that yeah. when you guys twigged it? Because she was like yes. basically saying, like, we need to protect England. We need to protect England from the, uh, like, it was literally kind of was sounding like what they're saying today. Like, 
they can't allow the foreigners and the poor to like have anything. I was much too distracted by the forest. My note <laughs> is I fucking love that forest. It was so beautiful. So you're so distracted by the forest that you were like, like I, I thought the, the grandma message. was manipulating the uncle. I didn't think she was the one who sent the assassin. Oh. No, I totally called. I said they're trying to stop uh What's his face? Marquette, Marquess? Marquess? The Marquess. Tewksbury. Marquess Tewksbury. from voting. And then my next note is Grandma's evil calling it. <laughs> I know. Old lady's evil calling it. Ha ha. Hey! <laughs> you both Look at these it. two. I am, I, am not, uh, I am not dissuaded by the fact that she is a woman because if anything lately, <coughs> Supreme Court replacement, uh, is an indication uh, lately that women can also be a force of regression. I don't like this. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. yeah. We need to talk about fictional evil and not real evil. I know. Yeah, Anywho. I will say, this is a safe space for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like that. I liked... I I was surprised when she turned up, but the like during the fight, I was like, okay, I'm, I actually think it's the grandma. And then you hear the cane and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well... I know what's happening now. Yet another. I think this is the second uh, occurrence in Mostly Murder, but sometimes not of old lady grandma menacingly hiding in the shadows, letting her like dramatic footsteps preclude her introduction. What is the other? The first one we talked about was in Miss Fisher. Oh, yes. When like the mob boss. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. When they're in that warehouse and they're fighting. Yeah. Can I, and one little note I had about that is, imagine the moment after they dramatically zoomed down on her face when she realized she was going to be caught and arrested for attempting to murder the Marquess. Either they had to ride back to a police station to get this old woman arrested, or they had to perform a citizen's arrest on the spot of an old lady who requires a cane and take her to the police. I'm sure it was a citizen's arrest thing. Or have somebody there and then somebody else goes to get the police. Or, I don't know, the fact that there's logistics towards arresting this old, infirmed lady. It was so fun. I don't know about infirm. I loved that She requires a cane. With uh, Sherlock and Lestrade in the office. And when... Like, Sherlock's doing his whole thing. He's like, oh, look at this magnifying glass. Look at the newspaper. It couldn't be the uncle. It has to be the grandma. And then uh, Lestrade is like, how did your sister get here before you? Like, Yeah, that was pretty funny. You fool. That you was absolute great. absolute idiot. You that was good. Silly. Yeah. He was cool. I liked Lestrade. Do we like the one of the like there's a quote in a, one of the articles I read talking about how this is a more diverse cast and that was good even like people in the backgrounds and people like working at the newspapers and yeah there were people of color at the school like Mm -hmm. students and teachers which was probably a little bit more indicative of the time maybe not totally but like i did think that was pretty cool it's not all white exactly which even the main characters you know, it wasn't like side character, you know, I don't know. That was pretty I mean, cool. they were kind of side characters. But really, it's just Enola, pretty much, and then kind of her brothers. So, yeah, 
and her mom. Her mom. Katie. Yeah. You are not the biggest fan of Helena no. Bonham Carter, if I remember correct. I was going to bring that up, but I already was a downer about the fourth wall. And <laughs> even though I like no, no, Henry no. Cavill. This is a day and age for downers. Please hit us. <laughs> oh, I just, I don't love bummed. her. I don't. She's like the same in everything. And sometimes it works for me, and sometimes it doesn't. But I was just like, I wish she had been played by someone different so she could have just been like her own person and not like, it's just Helena Bottom Carter in another corset and hat being quirky. And so she just brings a lot of baggage for you. I think it's just a lot of baggage. Yeah. Like, I actually didn't mind her in Ocean's 8. And maybe it's because it, maybe it's just I don't like her in period pieces. I don't know. Or like fantasy. So there are roles that you do like her in. I didn't, from what I remember, I didn't hate her in Fight Club. That was one of the first things she did, though, that I remember seeing. Yeah, I don't know. And it's like, she wasn't bad. She fit the role, obviously, like an anarchist suffragette who raises her daughter to be like a strong person and not like a feminine lady to Mm -hmm. marry. So, like, she absolutely fits the role and it worked and she probably brought in some money and investors and stuff. So, I don't begrudge them for casting her. I just didn't. I don't like her. I liked her in this role. I thought she did a good job. There's a unique aspect to Enola Holmes's detecting style that is specifically related to how Eudoria raised her. And that uh, that is about, like, she, Eudoria taught her the codes that she would use, so... I feel like the main reason why Enola was the person that was the closest to finding her mother was because she was the person with the most familiarity to it, which I feel like might be a strike against her abilities as a detective, but because it's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to detect, to find somebody, to figure out their motives, to track them down, if you know them as well as Enola knew her mother. Agreed. That's not to say that Enola is a bad detective. She is a good detective. She just had she advantage in this case. She Actually, she didn't find her mom. Her mom found her. I know. She I said she was the closest person to doing so. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of it was obvious. Like, obviously, if you're going to give her a book like The Meaning of Flowers, then flowers are going to mean something. That was like almost too on the nose. Mm-hmm. I did like all the little watercolors. They were really pretty. That's really adorable. Yeah. The cards were pretty, and I really liked the cipher thing. That was pretty cool. I loved her little art box, too. Yeah. That didn't but, come into play till much later, like the cipher like wheelie thing. Yeah, the wheelie thing. I, I thought that I was, was going to be more important. Yeah. There's actually, I mean, there's discussions about potentially doing a sequel. Mm. Well, duh, I, mean, I literally, I was like, this is made to have a sequel, especially by the end. I was like... Well, it's a book series. There's like six or seven books. So, uh, they didn't touch too much on what the mom was doing. Like, that's, it's a thread that's not closed. You know, like, there's, what, we don't know exactly what she was going to do with all those bombs. Is she just done? Like, is she, like, not doing anything with that anymore? Well, I think the title card explained, like, they were going to blow up some mailboxes and stuff. And And also, she says that it's not safe. Why why is it like why did she have to leave Anola in the first place? To keep her safe? From whom? 
That's true. I guess why did, why can't she stay with her now? There are as yet unanswered questions. I really loved the fact that this was not a TV show because Netflix does have a bit of a nasty aspect of taking generally interesting ideas and turning them into long like i think it makes its tv shows last a little bit longer than they should and this movie had enough of a pace you know going from train to countryside to london to uh like uh the uh going through the investigation to being caught to the uh like there were enough beats in here that i thought i would not be surprised if the original idea was a tv show a serialized show that they then pulled back and made into a movie and i really appreciate making one really good thing instead of a bunch of okay things. I didn't get that at all. Same. Like, I mean, I was, it was... It's a movie. You didn't think it was a little fast-paced? Especially really. with the setting changes? The only thing that threw me off was, like, using the title cards r- randomly and not often, which was kind of... And, like, the drawings and stuff. Yeah, like, I don't think it was fast-paced. I think it was paced well. Like, you don't want anything to be a slog. You know. Well, yeah, but there was a lot of changes of... I kind of get what you're saying, Mac. By the hour and a half point, I was like, wow, I thought this would be over already. It feels like there's a lot of movie that has happened and a lot left. <laughs> it felt like there were a lot of places. Knives Out was an incredible movie. It had only had like four or five sets. And one of them was like just the big house. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you have that gorgeous house, what else do you need? True. Well, they had some gorgeous houses in this one too, Carrie. They did. It was incredible. They, I had seen the Tewksbury Estate house in another movie with Peter O'Toole called The Ruling Class, which I didn't yeah. finish because it was weird. But like, <laughs> I was like, I know this hall. I know this space, and it was very interesting to me. That's to, funny. I felt like Katie in this moment. I was like, Have I watched too many British things? <laughs> Do I need to stop? The answer is, Do yes, I have always. a problem? <laughs> Also, one of the thi- one of the houses, I think it was the um, Tewksbury Hall, but it's a place we didn't see. It reminded me of a scene from The World Is Not Enough, the Bond movie, and then I looked it up, and they had used it in a Bond movie, but just the staircase and not the hallway. And so I was like, I don't know where I get this from. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just felt the hall. Yeah. The, well, the thing the is, staircase. now as someone who has watched all of Poirot, both of the Marples, well, three different women who played Marple series, and all of Midsummer Murders, I feel like I've seen at least half of the historic houses in the UK <laughs> via my television. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Probably, probably more than once. Truly. I liked that car. I thought the car was cool. It was cool. The car was I, cool. I want to know what kind of fuel it runs on. Probably um, fucking If steampunk coal. has taught me anything, it's probably just, like, whimsy. A child's <laughs> imagination. A fart. <laughs> just runs on farts. I don't think a woman who runs a finishing school would have a, a vehicle that runs on farts. You'd be surprised. Everybody <laughs> farts. True. I was gonna say, they wrote a I was gonna say it, Carrie I'm trying to make a joke, like but there's nothing funnier fart. than the reality. <laughs> It probably ran on some sort of ethanol or like some sort of concoction. No, I'm I'm thinking like coal, like straight up. Like a steam Maybe it was powered. steam powered. Oh hey. Yeah. Definitely steam powered. 
So actually, in terms of the mystery, it's probably a pretty good... There's two mysteries. Where's her mom? And where's this kid? And what? who's trying to kill him? Yeah. What's the deal with this kid? What's the deal with her mom? <laughs> I think it was put together pretty well. Obviously, there was enough clues that you could figure it out if you were paying attention, like Maddie and yes. Mac were. Um, or if you were distracted by trees. <laughs> um, there was enough distractions <laughs> that... I do think it was it allowed you to kind of follow the clues first, but also along with her. So, like, when she first got the flower thing, I was like, well, clearly your mom is, like, leaving a message with the flowers. And you could kind of, like, be a little bit one step ahead of her, but not too far ahead. Yeah. Does yeah, that make sense? That. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is interesting? We, uh... I should probably say that there's a lawsuit against Netflix and <laughs> uh, Nancy Springer, the author of the books, right now because of the fact that Sherlock has emotions in this. <gasps> I know. Gasp. Unthinkable. Okay, Wait, that's but- a lawsuit? You're saying the owners of the Sherlock... The Conan Doyle estate. Yeah. Yeah. Is suing yes, the Netflix. estate of Arthur Conan Doyle is suing Netflix, and um, I think Penguin Random House did the publishing of the books. So they're suing them in uh, New Mexico court because the later books of Sherlock, published from 1923 to 1927, are where he's described as having more emotions, like being slightly more emotional, quote unquote, like because he is Sherlock and who even really knows. Um, but they were under copyright. Those books published later were still under copyright when the books were like written and published, I'm assuming, but at least four of them were out of, like went into the public domain by the time this, the suit was filed. U.S. copyright law is different than UK copyright law. And it's different in terms of like, because I looked at this up for the Peter Pan thing, because Peter Pan, I believe in the UK, has permanent, like, copyright forever. Because No, it's not in public domain. It has copyright because um, J.M. Barry signed over the copyright of the Peter Pan stories to the children's hospital there. Mm-hmm. And basically, it seems like the law can't is like saying, like, we can't really take money away from a children's hospital because that would look bad. So right now, it's the only thing, I think it's like 75 years after publishing, like, things get put into the public domain. Until Disney gets their hands on it again. Yeah, I was literally going to say, it does depend. Like, when Mickey Mouse was about to go into public domain, they lobbied the government and extended the the time period. Bribed a bunch of people. I think it's, hey, allegedly. Allegedly, Disney bribed a bunch of people. (laughs) Allegedly, Disney will also bribe a bunch of people in 2024 to maintain that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's the, they extended it to, like, 90 years or whatever, and then they're going to have to do it again. They're just going to, like, have to keep doing it. I need to cycle it back on Carrie mentioning that. So, the basis of the lawsuit is not, hey, we have a copyright on Sherlock Holmes. It's, we have a copyright on Sherlock Holmes with emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's like, (gasps) the story is published... 
The stories Bull. published in this four-year period are the only ones where he has emotion, <laughs> and you can't portray Sherlock as having emotions. Imagine if that level of interpretation was the deciding basis on a lot of different... Imagine if you could get away with c- copyright infringement of Darth Vader if you made him seem completely lame. Don't say lame. No, no, no. If you made him seem completely... Like just a complete Ridiculous. dweebus? Yes. Yeah. Dweebus is a good So, one. this, I don't... <laughs> I, I don't want to be editing this sound. Stop. I don't no. like that. I think this is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous because I actually started reading um, the first Sherlock Holmes story last night because I was just like, like, he has emotions. Anger is emotion and fear is emotion. There are emotions throughout all of the stories. And also, every single other adaptation of Sherlock Holmes He's had some sort of emotion. Yeah, I was thinking, like, uh, what is it, The Great Mouse Detective? It's ca- it's basically based on on this. And Basil, definitely, while not the best and most understanding and compassionate of mice, had emotions. I mean, everything. When Wishbone played As Sherlock. As compared to all the other mice. Yeah. <laughs> when Wishbone played Sherlock... I mean, dogs, their emotions just pour out of their eyes. They are so <laughs> Even loving. Even in the early years, like Arthur Watner had emotions. Like um, Basil Rathborn. Absolutely. His emotions were mostly anger. Like, why didn't they sue them for making Sherlock Holmes fight Nazis in the 1940s? Like, I don't know. I don't. It's I don't. This is what I'm truly baffled by. I'm sure that there have been some lawsuits in the past of like, let's sue CBS for this portrayal of Sherlock Holmes or let's do like whatever. But. Why this? Why this one is a Conan Doyle estate? Is it because they cast Henry Cavill? Is it because... I don't know. Watson's not I mean, in it? It's because he's it, not the main character. Sherlock Holmes is not described as a well, total beefcase with eyes that I could jump into. <laughs> I think... Beefcase? I meant beefcake. Beef I like beefcase better. <laughs> Big old Excuse case me, I just beef. have to pack all my uh, bacon documents in my beefcase. <laughs> Gross. Gross. Um, bacon just, is pork. I don't, but like, that's why? true. So, Lionsgate, is Lionsgate being sued? Or it's actually, it's legendary. I misspoke earlier. Oh. It's legendary, not Lionsgate. But are, is, are they being sued or is Netflix being sued? From the article I read, it was Netflix. Netflix and Nancy Springer, so therefore Penguin Random House. So, why didn't they sue her when she originally published the book? Because I'm assuming yeah, it's that's a my couple years if there's six question. or seven books. That's called a legal defense. You didn't care about me making Sherlock be emotional when I wasn't making that Netflix money. Yeah, it hasn't gone to trial yet. I don't know I if mean, it's going to go to trial. They might settle or something. In things. Yeah. Like, Jeremy Brett absolutely had emotions. Like, manic and non and sad and ha- like, this is, I hate this. Yeah. And I don't know what the Conan Doyle estate is doing and I, appreciate what they're doing to try i guess and preserve this somehow, but i don't know i mean it's in like the weirdest said. way possible yeah yeah there have been so many iterations of sherlock 
it is ridiculous that this is the one thing that they decided. Especially, maybe it's because the copyright is like going into public domain as we speak because of the length of time that they've been published. Ooh, maybe but it's like why a, a they... play to extend the copyright somehow. Maybe. I don't know the law. Why wouldn't they sue the people who made the one where he fought the dinosaur robots? I don't know. I mean, maybe of he wasn't emotional maybe they liked enough. It. About I'm sorry, it. Maybe the what? And oh, Mac, it's they on enjoyed our list. it. Carrie <laughs> hates it, but I've actually already watched it, and it's very enjoyable. I've seen it already as well. As long as you know, it's just a Sherlock Holmes movie where he fights robot dinosaurs. How come they didn't sue the one comic where Batman teamed up with a hundred-year-old Sherlock? That would be so cool. Right? Like, I just... Or even Mary Russell. That whole story. Have you ever heard those? No. I haven't read them. There's, like, a young woman who finds an older Sherlock Holmes, and I, I don't. think they enter a romantic relationship, and I'm like, what? I don't... Yeah. No. There's, Stop. like, 13 or 14 of these books. It's by Laurie R. King. They're nope. actually Sue some that of the most one. famous Let's move on books. This narrative. Like, pastiche of Sherlock Holmes. Don't like this at all. But Let's move anyway. on to notes. Okay. Yeah. You start. You go first. Um, yeah, I'll go. Um, I think we, we went over a few of mine already about Mycroft being smarter than Sherlock. Hmm. And, uh, oh my god, I think we went over, oh yeah. So, I just had a couple of issues with, um, the... I don't know, Millie Bobby Brown, when she was on the ground after getting, like, hit in the head, and then she, like, wakes up, and then she's just lying there crying. I said, stop lying there crying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that perhaps you're she just slightly more irritable head. this morning? Yes, that's, I, that's why I gave, you know, a caveat. I said, stop laying there crying, and then I said, I'm not here for the cute and swoony thing. <laughs> yeah. Hungover Maddie is 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 evil irritable Can i say i had the same thought though yeah i like, was like if you're opening and like just get up <laughs> have you i mean come on have you ever been knocked out like that before you're probably not thinking no. straight i know of course there she shouldn't she's probably got brain damage i don't know uh you actually not necessarily brain damage is only when you're like out for more than a couple of minutes i mean you can have brain I don't damage know from about impact. that well, I just yeah. didn't like the romance. Yeah. I didn't like it, and yeah. at the end, it was all like cutesy and dumb, and I hated it. <laughs> Don't say dumb. Cutesy and foolish, and I hated it. I liked that it kind of turned into more of a rescue of him, and not necessarily like a pal romantic comedy in the middle. Yeah. No, I, I think they that. had the undercurrents of romance the whole time, and I didn't like it. They did, but there was enough, like, there was enough there that we could say it, it, it could not be romance if we'd thought of it that way. Because she did use the analogy of, like, the sheep that all that went off the cliff. Yeah. So um, protecting the vulnerable. But then my other note was, oh, Mr. Collins! Because I didn't realize <laughs> I heard his voice in the beginning when they were at the train station. And I'm like, I know that voice. And then they didn't show the uncle for... The until the end of the movie, like half and an I hour yeah, and I saw him, and I was like, Mister Collins, he looks so, so different. He does, yeah, he does. I mean, it, it was twenty five years ago, yeah. <laughs> but and then at the very end, you you guys saw the posters that 
were looking for the Marquess. So the reward yes. was only 50 pounds. And so yep. she gets the reward and then immediately is like, I'll give you five pounds to switch clothes with me. I'm like, that's 10% of your profits, lady. <laughs> what do you think you're... Ugh. I, I did the math on this one. So one thing, I love the re the reward on Marquis was 50 pounds and the reward on Enola was four. Uh, oh. 50 pounds in modern day American currency would be roughly $8,300. Uh, and for Enola homes, that would have been roughly $670. Hmm. Did anyone else think that the drawing of him looked like Oscar Wilde? Yes. Yes. I could see that. Like the, the hair, flu the hair, like from far away. I literally first thought it was Oscar Wilde on the newspaper. Yeah, well, that's on my notes. So, yeah, I was gonna say, um, Mac, your notes. All right. So one, early on in the film, her Sherlock Holmes just looks over at some random kid in the corner and says, "Boy, fetch me a carriage." And for once, I just want like a scene where they transition up to the boy, and he just goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. right? that'd be funny. Two, it must be difficult to do jujitsu in a hoop skirt. I was impressed. Three, I did like that they added the limitation that she can't do the corkscrew, and it was, like, stable throughout most of the film. Like, they saved it for the end, and I did like that. You know, when you, when you set up, when you throw something over the plate in Act 1, I'd like when they can wait long enough to Act 3. All right. Four, if you guys were curious, the seditious book that uh, Sherlock Holmes was talking about in that tea uh, house was called Handbook for the Woman Engaged in Social and Political Work. Oh my gosh. Writing yes. it down. All right. <laughs> Next up, uh, when Alex and I watched the scene in the boarding house, we really got Handmaid's Tale vibes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Next Breaking up... women. Next up, when she got stabbed and it turned out to be a whalebone corset... I'm not sure that's how whalebone works, but I'll take it. And I was really glad at the end when, like, the kid, the Marquis, had just been shot. And at first I was like, that better not be a whalebone corset because I can let a knife go, but not a bullet. I thought it was going to be a whalebone corset, too. Me <laughs> Right? Too. It would have been so too. lame to be like, whalebone does not stop bullets. But now that I saw it was... Uh, like one bird shot and two, he wore uh like a knight's chest plate that I could see. Yeah. Why final... was I the only one not expecting a corset? I don't know. There, I don't know. Why would he? You didn't pick up those vibes. Why would he be wearing a corset? The first thing that they established was that the first piece of armor that we saw that functioned perfectly was a whalebone corset. And if I thought she Carrie's knew got that some heavy he, eye rolling going on. He was in danger, <laughs> she might have given him her corset. That was where my brain went. I mean, yeah. have any of you put on a corset? Yes. Yeah. How long did it take you? Well, if, if it's a half laced, it's so. not that long. Especially if you just loosen the ha -ha! laces. Your arguments have fallen flat. <laughs> It's a process. We, my friends did a pirate party in the beginning of the year, and there were a lot of corsets happening. There was a long process of maybe they hadn't been laced already. I think they had to be like laced and tightened and did all yeah. this. Shifting it was a process. The process of fitting it at first is a lot, but if it's already laced, and especially if you're just like, just put this on, it doesn't have to look good. 
It doesn't have to fit a dress over it. It just has like to stop that- a bullet. It just has to stop a bullet. <laughs> and, uh, okay, Velcro corset. Then finally, the one thing that I got weirdly pissed at was uh, at the end when uh, the hitman was trying to kill Enola and the Marquis. I don't think it was pronounced started- the same this whole time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just different every time. Marquis. Marquis. All right, so... When he was shooting apart that ancient Greek-looking statue, this deep part inside of me was just like, "Hey, that's antique, probably." Just it was probably a it was a cheap knockoff. Who would keep a cheap? They're rich. They're always full of knights' armor. Mac, a lot of people who are wealthy don't like spending their wealth on things like that. They'll be like, "We'll just buy this thing." That is not expensive and decorate our hull with it because who's going to know the difference? Did you ever see the Sherlock um, Six Napoleons? Like any version of it? Uh, I read it. Look, I get that we have President Billionaire that eats Taco Bell, but you know, if you're <laughs> English royalty, I don't want if you're English royalty and you have an entrance hall, you put your best front forward. That's that was probably hall. an expensive statue. Wait, it was the entrance hall. Yes. Yeah, I was wrong. Sorry. Okay, Mac. If it was expensive, that's sad. That would be very <laughs> heartbreaking. Yes. Anyway, okay. that's my stuff. Cool. <laughs> Katie, your notes. Did anyone else not like the pop-ups, like the sepia things, or did you like them? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. surprise, but <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of those either. I don't Take know what you mean. Them. I had to like when they would show. You know, like, a, like it looked like an one. illustration. Phase oh. one and finding Tewksbury and like even like them. the thirty-seven seconds later, like sometimes they're funny, but I, it just kind of threw me off a little. I think it was part of like the whole like young adult. That's what I was thinking. It's like yeah. young adult fourth wall, fun graphics, it make fits it easy for the to follow. Audience. Yeah, I guess we're not a hundred percent the target audience. We might be. We're old. I am the target audience for this. Henry Cavill is in it. I am the target audience. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't really. I don't know about him personally, but physically, I'm gonna find you know, something with Henry Cavill in it that you will not like. His comfort movies are the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. Oh my god! Just the fact that he differentiated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and he built a computer that one okay, time. Okay, now he's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. And he has a um, dog named Cal, who is so cute. He looks like a bear. All right, cool. Thanks for um, the Henry uh, Cavill facts. <laughs> Henry Continue Cavill Katie. Corner. We'll just call it Cavill Corner. Cavill, Cavill <laughs> Corner. I love it. Um, I like the scorekeeper thing at the billiards table. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, is nincompoop a period name to call people? No, I doubt it. She called him nincompoop at least twice, and I was like... I would say thrice. I don't think that's period. Um, I thought it was funny that he's a plant boy. <laughs> Origin, late 17th century. A botany boy. Whoa. Nice. All right, well, I, it still threw me off. Uh, perhaps coming from the given name Nicholas or Nicodemus by association with the Pharisee of this name and his naive questioning of Christ. Christ. <laughs> so he's just like a naive Christ? person? Nincompoop? 
Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay, Katie, continue. All right. uh, he's a plant boy, and I thought that was kind of funny. Um, we talked about his floopy haircut a little. I did think his haircut looked fine for it being done with a probably not sharp knife. You know what? It's sharpening it. not that hard to do a passable haircut. But with a knife <laughs> would have not See, that's been... what I was thinking. With a knife yeah. in the woods. Yeah. In the woods. By firelight. And for him to have that perfectly coiffed, like, uh, teenage 2020 boy hair. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, you're taking me out of this. Um, I miss London. <laughs> I thought it was funny when you first show up, there's, like, chimney sweeps and people and shouting. And I guess they shot a lot of it at um the Royal Naval College in Greenwich, which we saw mm-hmm. saw in Thor 2, if mm-hmm. you remember that. Yeah. Apparently, um, a lot of things are filmed there and only in thor 2 was it ever playing itself truly yes (laughs) like they a lot of it was london a lot of the columns they turned into covent garden which i actually really liked i love seeing covent garden is actually where it was a a flower market that's how it started as flower and livestock and stuff and now it's like apple stores and disney stores and okay bull although it was the only place you get shake shack near where i lived so that was exciting um, if you're going to get mad at everything, get mad at the Holmes brothers, like, hanging out like friends. Because they yeah. never did that. Ever. And I think that I didn't like that at all. Especially uh-huh. in this adaptation, because Mycroft is horrible. He's a jerk. Holmes yeah. didn't have anyone else at this point. Yeah, but he would have just, like, not hung out with him. Um, by himself. I thought that... Yeah, I liked the scene with the corset. Because she was like, it's a tool of oppression unless you choose to wear it. Which I kind of like, in recent years, there has been more talk about corsets because they're seen in movies as like a total tool of like oppression and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't always that. Like if you wear a, a corset. cage. Yeah. Like if you wear a corset properly, like I have a lot of, a couple of like costume historian friends and people I follow on Twitter and stuff and Tumblr and they're like. If you wear them properly, they're not as uncomfortable as movies make them out to be. Like, they're not supposed to choke you. They're not supposed to be super tight. But some women would tighten them too much. And that is what led to organs being displaced and fainting. Um, My favorite story about the farter. Maddie, I've told you this, right? Probably. The fartiste? The fartiste? (laughs) There's like a French guy. Oh, yeah who something was wrong with his bowels where he could take in air and then he would put on shows where he would fart on stage and he would do like impressions. So he'd be like, this is like the king farting. And this is like a poor like dock worker fart. And so like he would do fart impressions. And his car ran faster than everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that he used to advertise is so many women would faint because they would laugh too hard at the farting and then their corsets would <laughs> cause them to like not be able to catch their breath and they would faint. So they would have to have like help, like ambulances, quote unquote, on hand for the fainting women. <laughs> Imagine funny. being working in that ambulance and having to explain your day to your spouse when you get home. There's a bunch of women laughing at farts. <laughs> I had to revive a woman who laughed so hard she fainted at a man impersonating the farts of the King of England. 
Anyway, I liked that she was like, if you choose to wear it, and I can hide stuff in it. Um, I don't think they made it totally clear that the vote was for just, like, every man to be able to vote, and not, like... Because I think they kind of threw off... I actually looked up, because, like, suffragettes didn't get... Like, women didn't get the right to vote in the UK until 1918, and I was like, this is 20 years before this. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, no, they didn't make that very clear either. That was one of my notes as well. Yeah. I think you kind of get the gist. Like, but maybe You're just like, yeah, this is a thing that old stodgy people don't like. Yeah. Um, Grandma hired him. I didn't think that some of the costumes were period, but I didn't totally hate it because also she talks to the camera. (laughs) And my last note is that little pinecone friend of hers was fucking ugly. (laughs) (gasps) <sighs> I'm sorry, but when, especially when you saw it at the end, which when, like, Sherlock gave it to her or whatever, I was like, this I'm wounded, is ugly. I, and I it love hedgehogs, but I was like, hed- yeah, it was supposed to be a hedgehog, right? No, it was supposed to be a dog. Yeah. She was emulating. Well, the I think queen. it was a hedgehog toy. She turned into a dog. No, it was a, literally a pine cone. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, it was ugly. It was a bad looking dog. <laughs> And I wondered if that was why they had the that pinecone thing kill the assassin guy. Or if that was just coincidence. Probably coincidence. Oh. Probably coincidence. Because I, I saw that and I was like, interesting. And then later Kill on, when his head hit it. Um, that's the end of my notes. Okay. Carrie. Katie's gonna hate this. Bananagrams. The patriarchy. <laughs> Smash it. I think that was Snooker and not Billiards. Smash it. Um... Dana Schwartz is right. Henry Cavill, too big. Um, they reference Burdock, and on, that made me think of Red Dead Redemption. Same. Um, a shortcut to mushrooms. Boy, bye. <laughs> uh, I know that building. <laughs> um, I like that Edith called Sherlock an ostrich. Because <laughs> me too. He's burying his head against everything he doesn't want to see. Yep. Um, fuck him right to hell. Mycroft. Mycroft? Mycroft. Um, I empathize. I have with... that note. Fuck Mycroft. Really? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I empathize with Enola and her little pinecone friend because... Her ugly I ass also... pinecone friend. The pinecone is supposed to, she drags it around everywhere like a dog because the queen had King Cavalier Spaniels. And I also would like a dog. So, I mean, I haven't. So, mom, if you're to, listening. I haven't, uh, <laughs> I haven't have a dog dragging around pinecones, but Katie did give me a ceramic dog yesterday, like before I watched the, like this. And I was like, this is very similar. I literally thought of that. This is me. I she has her pine cone. I have my ceramic. I hadn't even watched the movie by then. I just I, know. I was shopping at Michael's and I was like, "Oh, Carrie wants a dog and she might not." <laughs> I remember one. when I was 7 years old, I wanted a dog so so bad and our parents um got me a cake with a dog on it instead of a dog. <laughs> 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 That's cruel. <laughs> what? That's hilarious. Did we yeah, have the hamsters by then? Is... Yes. Okay. Yeah, we did. That's incredibly cruel. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, at least they I haven't gotten it. you a dog cake. 
<laughs> I mean, they might now. Um, and then just the whole thing about the ending, there's a lot of loose ends, which if they want to do a sequel, makes a lot of sense. They have said they were planning on it. As of this month, they were like, well, you kind of always went in hoping to do that. Yeah, so I guess it kind of depends on the And all the reviews reception. were like, this is a great franchise opener. And you're mm-hmm. like, ugh, I'm sick of franchises. But whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Katie, do you have the PBS for us? I do! Is it? Is it a good one? It's is it actually nice? good, and I am a, I'm finally glad that a female-centric thing actually has more females than males. What? Is this there the first worse? time it's happened? I, I don't think it's the first time there's been more females than males, but it is the first time that it was like a female-centric movie, maybe. We should really keep track of these. I think Miss Fisher was our only other one. I mean, I have most of my notes in, Buffy. in this thing. Oh, God, that Sherlock Holmes with Downey Jr. Oh, that hasn't come out and yet. And Rosemary in Time. Right. That was bad. No. Yeah, these are all pretty bad. Even Mary it is interesting that we, uh, what is it? This is coming out the Friday after The Night Up comes out. And then the next episode after that is the Sherlock Holmes with Downey. So some juxtaposition yeah. is happening here. Um, We need to lay off Sherlock for a while. I think we need like a... No more cleansing. Sherlock anything until the end of the year. Oh, I'm so sad. Like, till next year. You guys, I actually don't think there's been any. I'm kind of or scanning. The, there's more like, women this is, than men? This is a, the first one. I'm trying to find... Okay, more women Buffy. Than men. No, Buffy was bad. Yeah, Buffy was bad, I think. My notebook is, like, totally disorganized, because it's also where my um dissertation notes and also, like, a bunch of other nonsense are. Okay, Katie, just give us this PBS. We'll look at this later. I just want to know now. Maybe Miss Fisher's not in here. Katie. X-Files was bad. Katie. Here we go. Miss Fisher. Found it. Was 8 to 8. So even that was not good. Katie. Anyway. (laughs) So Enola Holmes had six men and eight women. I am including Miss Gregory. I don't know if we ever know her name, but she's like yeah, the landlady ladies. at the first place she rents. Yeah, the one who and like she room. has she has at least two scenes and she says things and we re- I've recognized her. Yeah, you know so. which lady is not. It's pretty exciting, <laughs> and I like that they had different types of women. They had women like Edith and women like Miss Harrison and women like um, the grandma, Mrs. Lane, and who I really liked. I like that actress a lot. I, she she was in a really good Marple. I love Ooh. her. Yeah, Same. and I like that she had the courage to speak up to Sherlock mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah, because she's employed by them. She could just be, you know. I know, but I mean, living with Eudoria and Enola after all those years, like, yeah, I feel like you kind of you're you, you take in some stuff. Yeah. So yeah, this is actually a appropriate PBS for a female centric film cool Yay. okay mac what are your stars and stabs uh for stabs i think i'm only going to give her like 6.5 around there because most of her detective work when it comes to her mom comes from her living with her mom 
there was some solid detective work when it came to trying to find the Marquois. So, <laughs> I'm, I actually, you know, I'm going to bring it up to a seven. As for stabs, I would give it about an eight. No, you mean stars. As for stars, I would give it about an eight. You know, good. Not perfect. Good. Cool. Maddie? Um, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> well, my stars, I would say like a six. I was, yeah, not in the mood. Okay. And uh, for stabs, I think if we um, look at the Marquesa's uh, mystery as the main one, I'd say eight stabs. But if it was the mom, then not. But I think it did become more a mystery about who is trying to kill the Marquess than trying to find her mom. So, yeah. Katie? Uh, agree. I am in a, like, understanding the demographic of this movie and kind of what it was. It was entertaining. Like, I was entertained watching it. I think for Stabs, I would give it an 8. I do think the mis- like, and Mac, I don't knock her for being raised by her mom and having that background knowledge, like, because it feels like punishing her for how she was educated. The only thing she really knew was that her mom liked ciphers, so that's how she sent her a message, but it wasn't really how and explosives. she... Well, yeah, that's true. Well, the Limehouse is because she overheard her, so she figured out the cipher thing of that, I guess. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if I agree with knocking her for that. So, anyway, yeah, the mystery, I do think, was pretty good. It was an eight. And then stars, I would say seven. Like, understanding that I don't like Helen Bottom Carter, and I don't like when people break the fourth wall, and I understand who this is made for, it was fine. Gary. Cool. All right, so, um, stabs... I think I would do seven as well. Actually, I think I'm going to do max whole rating. Seven stabs, eight stars. Um, she did have to find uh, Tewksbury in Covent Garden. She had to, like, put together the Lime House, like, the Lime House Street thing. She is a good detective, I think. She noticed things, etc., etc um and then i i would say eight stars because i thought i thought it was fun i thought there was some like exciting moments i thought i liked the whole like the relationship she had with her mom you know like the mutual mutual respect between them uh i thought that was cool I don't think Henry Cavill is correct for this role, as lovely as he is. I think Sam Claflin did a good job. Um, Millie Bobby Brown, obviously, I liked her performance. I thought that was good. I liked that she was a producer as well. Like, come on, she's like, what, 15, 16, and she's producing a movie while she's starring in it? Like, stop, you person, you're doing... (laughs) Like, I'm twice her age. (laughs) Twice her age. And you don't even have a dog. I don't. <laughs> That's so mean. Why would you say that? I'm sorry. Ugh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so since this is a bonus episode, we don't have anything to uh, tell you to watch for next time. 
we might be doing these uh, sporadically when um, new things come out, like new mystery things that we feel are in our wheelhouse and we have the time to... Well, yes, yep, yep, (laughs) yep. Any campaign that we don't have to do anything for and can just piggyback off of, I'm in. So, um, Mac, you were doing something weird. Thumbs up. No, yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's positivity, <laughs> Carrie. Yeah, he's positive. <laughs> I thought you had like another suggestion or something. Okay, so um, just cheering you on. Just uh, we will we post things on Twitter like regarding um, future episodes and uh, like pictures of observations that we've had or whatever. Stop dancing. Yeah, our Twitter's <laughs> really great. Just Everyone should to follow support you. our Twitter. I can't. I can't look at you. Um, <laughs> the person who runs our Twitter is like really smart and fun. So, Ugh. so yeah. So, um, <laughs> if you want to keep track of us and any new bonus things that we do anytime in the future, follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at mostly murder pod. It's the same on Instagram. And then we have an email at mostly murder, but sometimes not. Stop dancing. <laughs> mostly murder, but sometimes not at gmail.com. And then we have a website, mostly murder, but sometimes not.com. Um, this is going to be coming out soon. And then we have episodes every other Tuesday. Um, uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed our take on Enola Holmes. And, um, thanks for listening. <laughs> you just thanks. keep on dancing. Bye, keep on keeping on. Mark. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha